0: My name is John Kim, and I'm not just a therapist and coach. I'm also someone going through his own journey, learning about life and love and what it means to be a human being. I love to create a dialogue that's unrehearsed, casual over clinical. I try to bring things to street level. So this is me, and I hope you enjoy my show. So I'm super excited about this episode because it's my first episode where I have a guest. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast, it's me... Talking to myself for about 10 to 15 minutes twice a week. But today I have my first guest. And what I'm going to do is about once a month, I'm going to bring on a guest who I think is interesting. So my first guest is Mark Groves. And what I love about Mark Groves is um, one, that he talks about love. Um, He has a platform called Create the Love. And I just love his honest, no BS. conversations you know he kind of um well it reminds me of me <laughs> no I'm just kidding uh, he's blunt and he's uh, there's a sincerity in his uh um, in all the stuff you know his videos his content and I also love that he's a man because I think we need more men out there having these conversations so he calls himself a human connection specialist and he posts no BS Relationship advice. He does uh, tons of stuff from workshops to to uh, Instagram lives and tons of videos and and, and, and lots of amazing content. So um, he, uh, you can follow him at Create the Love. And here is Mark Groves. So um, I'm super excited to have you because you're my very first guest. And although I've been podcasting for like about a year, um, I've never had a guest before. And so this is a uh, this is really it's exciting for me because I don't have to talk to myself. <laughs>
1: well, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? You haven't had a guest? And then I saw I'm like, oh, yeah, you do all topical things each time.
0: Yeah, I do kind of like in a shot glass, 15 minutes. And um, I started just to do them for fun. I, I heard uh, Tim Ferriss, his story with his podcasting, and he just promised himself that he would do 12 with no expectations and that's what I did. I was like, I'm going to do 12. I'm going to do it for myself. Um, I'm just going to talk about some topics. And then that just turned into, you know, you know how it is because you have your own.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a – I mean you watch just because people are so hungry for the truth that you tell. You know, that's really it is you just tell the truth and well, people like the truth.
0: I um, I think that uh, one of the things that gravitates me toward you and, of course, um, so many other people is um, you. you're – your kind of power of, of authentic truth. So um, especially now with wellness and a lot of noise, and uh, it, there can be a lot of tap dancing, you know? And, mm-hmm. and even if people don't, aren't even aware of it, I just think part of it is just subconscious and all the, the stuff that they take in. But I feel like when I watch your videos, um, there's an honesty to it, man. And I think that uh, also, especially as a man, I just think uh, you're doing really good work Um, not so much. I mean, of course, your information is great, but the way that you show up, you know, like there's something. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's something very trusting and honest about your message, and I think that's uh, that's the power power of you.
1: Thank you, I feel Ian. You know, I feel like it's such a mirror to um, my experience of your work, which is that you, I mean, yesterday I was reading your Instagram stories where you answer the questions to people sometimes. Right. And you're like, today I'm being a, I think you said a grumpy asshole or something. <laughs> and I just started laughing because I'm like, in that is, you know, just a blunt truth that people already know when they ask you the question or they know they're going to get that.
0: Right, right.
1: You know, and I remember hearing Carolyn Mace once say to uh, someone when she was being interviewed, they said, you know, it's really – um you can be harsh, and she said, I'd rather you know the truth than than, than like me. And she yeah. said, it's more important that I tell you the truth than you like me. I, I don't put that ahead of it.
0: I, I love that, and I think that if everyone likes you, no one likes you.
1: Yeah, I remember my sister saying when I first started, like, if if, if a fifth of people don't hate you, then you're not doing great work. And I was like, right. you know, the kid in me is like, a fifth, like, come on, like, can we <laughs> go to like maybe one, one hundredth?
0: Right, you right. Know? So how did, um, how, did create the, how, did, how did all this start for you, create the love, and how, how did the, um, the passion for love and relationships begin?
1: You know, mine came out of, I was always passionate about romance, you know, in a bit of a um, sort of backwards way in that I, I always, I, mean, I guess like relationship came very easy to me as a kid. You know, in my teenage years, I wanted to date and fall in love and all the things from Disney. Um,
0: where, where did you grow up?
1: In Calgary in Canada, oh, okay. so just north of Montana, and it's kind of like the Texas of Canada. I think right. that's an easy way for people to understand. So it's a bit more conservative, you know, and I grew up and I was I went to a Catholic school, too. Mm. So I sort of feel like I'm a, I, I call myself a recovering Catholic, right, like still undoing you know, the messaging from sure. the Thou holy land. And I. Yeah. So I, I, I was in sales. So I had studied like relationship manipulation in essence, you know, how to get people to change behavior, all that stuff. And then when I was 27, I got engaged and I didn't want to get engaged. Um, not because she wasn't amazing. She's an amazing human. Um, but I didn't want to get engaged and I didn't know why. And I was scared and I was uncertain and I got engaged anyways. Um. So you know that's always the start to a uh, to a story. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So I did what I didn't want to do, and that always leads you down a path where you end up where you don't want to be. Right. So I ended up where I didn't want to be, which was engaged, and I couldn't figure out why I didn't want to be with this amazing woman. I couldn't figure out why it wasn't a good fit. Why I didn't know. And did you, I ended. Did you
0: did you feel rushed? What do you think? Or did you actually realize later on why you didn't want to get engaged? Was it deeper?
1: Yeah, I mean, at the time I felt rushed. At the time, I w- it, it just wasn't the, where I was ready to be. Right. You know? and, and and that was true no matter what the reason, you know. And that was the hard part. Is I, I don't think people are are taught that it's okay for a relationship to end just because you may not want it, you know. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. Of course.
1: And especially to say no to good things. That's really hard for us. Uh, You know, you have to go against so many cultural narratives, especially when you're stuck in the middle of a story you've been taught to want, which is get married by 25, have kids by 30. And if you're not doing that, you're some sort of dysfunctional shit, you know, like. And so here I am in the middle of what I've been taught to always want, which is that. And I get it and I don't want it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my whole identity is now at war. Everything I've been taught is at war and i end the relationship and um when i got out of it i was a little pissed at first because mm-hmm. i was like how the fuck did i get here right like how did i get to a place where i didn't want to be and why do humans do things they don't want to do and why do they spend a lot of money doing things they don't want sure. that made no sure. sense to me i bought a house you know we did all the things
0: wait what, how did she take it when you ended it was it devastating for her or did she see it coming
1: um, you know, I think on some levels she saw it coming, you yeah. know, in that very unconscious part, right. uh, but outwardly she was pissed and rightfully so. I mean, like she sold a house to buy a house with me to move in together, yeah, you know, like investment. I pretty much took her right down the path of uh, pain, you know, with me. Um, And she, yeah, she, she handled it how someone would handle <laughs> that. which was totally fair. And I've actually thought about having her on my podcast just because I, you know, I don't really think it's fair that I get to tell her story and that she doesn't get to tell her side of it, um, which I think is a, um, it's not fair when you're the only one with the microphone, you know?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So uh, I'm going to explore that idea with her to see if she's open to it. But the, what it ended up doing was really, I finally like stepped out of the unconscious choosing as in, for the first time in my life, I started to think about why I was doing things and, and mm. that there was an alternative path, path, an alternate path that was available to me outside of what – like being a provider, making a certain amount of money. Right. I did a degree in finance. I don't even like finance. Why the fuck would anyone do a degree in something they don't like? But we yeah. do it all the
0: time. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's this idea of chasing blueprints and, and then we realize they don't even belong to us. Right. And then you wake up in the middle of a story that's
1: not yours. Right. And, and I can't say that all of the story wasn't mine, because, of course, there's aspects of my life that fit things mm. that I was taught that actually were good. Um, but I was pissed because I was like, no one's told the truth about relationships, mm. that they end, right. that it's OK that they end. Because I felt very persecuted for ending it. And I was terrified of what people would think of me ending it. And a lot of my greatest fears were realized you know in that people would be like oh you're such a you're just afraid to grow up you're afraid of commitment right you, you know and i thought wow here we want emotional emotional men who speak about their emotions and when i actually say my emotion that i'm scared and this doesn't feel right people tell me that that's not what it is that i'm just afraid to grow up right Wait, like, so how how
0: old were you at this time were i was 27 oh wow interesting you know that that kind of seems to be um the time that uh, we start asking ourselves different questions it kind of when we start turning the corner yeah when we actually start to think
1: about how we think you know yeah and yeah and i remember listening to alan watts and he talks about how um we're the only species that's aware that it's aware
0: Mm, i thought about that you know it's like
1: we're only really stepping into this space of of metacognition of like really thinking about how we show up and is it how we want to show up is this the life That was born from me, or is this life that I chose to live in order to fit in?
0: So, you know, how sad is it that, so if we're the only species with that gift, right, that separates us from other species, uh, a lot of our species doesn't, we don't practice that gift. We don't use it. (laughs) We don't use it at all, right? (laughs) Like the greatest
1: gift we have. And that's where, you know, that saying, I really started to connect to the saying of ignorance is bliss. Yeah, because I really started to see how much easier life was when I didn't realize the impact of my choices on other people right. and also on myself. How much I would be hurting myself by, you know, because it's easy to do a couple shots of tequila, get on a speaker, and have a one night stand, you know, to avoid all your pain. Right, um, which I did as a, you know, way of compensating, you know, for my to avoid my emotions mm-hmm. and my fear, my sadness, my loss, my everything. I, you know, because we're not socialized especially as men, to even acknowledge those feelings. And it's not like you're going to go to all your buddies and be like, well, maybe now, right? But back then I wasn't like, listen guys, I'm really, before I got engaged, you know, and some of them knew I was really scared, but I think for the most part people could see it in me, you know, they could smell it in me that something was off with us and it was me, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it was me. Um, So I started to study relationships because I was like, wow, how does someone get to this point where they're so lost and disconnected from themselves and how do I never get here again? And that's when I realized that for the most for the most part, for the majority of my life, I'd avoided every hard conversation. Mm. So that was kind of the beginning of your, your hero's journey. Yeah, that was the first rule I made. I will have every conversation I don't want to have because those are the ones that matter. That wow. was exactly what I wrote down. And then... The next, And that's when I first read uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Victor yeah. Frank. And I'd never thought about why I was on the planet, you know? Like right. I heard someone say the other day, we're just here, we're mammals, we just come here and we, we hump, we make families, and we die. And I was like, well, I don't believe it. I believe that there's so much more to life. And, and you can have both perspectives. I don't give a shit which one someone believes. Right. It's just that one's empowering and the other one isn't.
0: Yeah. I, I, well, I think the difference between those two is one is, uh, existing and and one is actually truly living.
1: Yes. Yes. What a great distinction. And like one, I get to choose and the other one I'm, I'm, I leave fate, mm-hmm. you know, fate determines. And I often think like when people say like, you know, it's the it's similar to the science of optimism or, or luck, you know, when preparation meets opportunity. But I, I really don't think if you don't put yourself in line with fate, fate doesn't meet you, you know, in some sense, like You're not just going to wait here and get a red bike like The Secret talks about. Just imagine a red bike and you get a red bike. Sure, but maybe it's more about choosing your way towards becoming the type of person who gets the type of results you want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I also think that um, the subconscious is a huge – I mean I don't even think we know everything about it. Um, but I think the subconscious and, this, and the way that that we put out our energy um, lines up stars, and there's a lot of stuff that happening that happens that we don't see that we're not aware of.
1: Yeah, and isn't it crazy that we can understand that conceptually when we think about nature? Like when we think yeah. about nature, there right. are no mistakes. There are literally no mistakes. But why, with us, do we try to grow a branch in a direction that won't be that doesn't feel right? That just isn't, you know. And right, I think right. that. That comes together to the whole social narratives that we've created about emotion, which is if you're sad or you're experiencing negative emotion, there's something wrong with you. And it's like, no, it's information. If you had pain in your hand, you'd do something about it. Ideally, you know, if you were burning your hand, you'd move it. But when you're experiencing negative emotion, why have we taught people that they should ignore it or not, you know, pay attention to it or get curious about it. Instead, it's like find a way to not tell anyone that it's happening you know, take a pill, do it, you know, do anything to avoid the feeling.
0: Why do you think that is? Why do you think we internalize so much? Why do you think that um, we, we bash ourselves and, you know, like when you are just saying, you're talking about nature, I'm actually in a big bear cabin right now, um, staring outside Mm -hmm. at this beautiful tree. God, amazing. It's, it's, um, it's, it's windy and raining and the tree's just standing there and, uh, you know, I don't think that <laughs> the, the, the tree is just beautiful being itself, you know, um, and, and with us, we, we have so much uh, negative self-talk and judgment that I, I know very few people who can stand tall and just be, be beautiful being themselves. We'll be right back after this brief message. I don't know about you, but my gut is all kinds of fucked up. And I am bloated all the time. Did you know that your gut bugs can control your energy production and even body shape? When you cut out sugars to lose fat, your gut bugs, I know that sounds kind of gross, lie dormant in weight. Plus, they also shoot out eggs. When the sugar comes back, they wake up all the eggs and then the eggs hatch. And this is why we get a rebound weight gain and bloated so easily after losing weight. ATP, science. Created a new product called Gut Right. And I want you guys to check this out. Here's what gut right does. It stops the overgrowth of normal bugs that immune burden and toxicity systematically. Gut right replaces the missing modbiotics in our diet, just like multivitamins can replace the missing vitamin. So get your gut right today. Visit atpscience.com forward slash get gut right and get 20% off uh, your first order. Plus, you get free shipping when you use the coupon code Angry Therapist. Go to atpscience.com forward slash get gut right and you get 20% off your first order if you use the coupon code all caps Angry Therapist and get your gut straight as I am doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many layers to it, but I think part of it is that our species evolved by self abandonment. You know like it was healthy for you to give up who you are for the greater good of the tribe or the species and that works till it doesn't because now we're at a place where the roles we took in relationship were to ensure that the next generation was able to survive and move forward but in some sense obviously that's healthy or sorry not healthy obviously that's necessary but in some sense, I think now, you know, you really look at love was never part of marriage, really, till most recent times. And you found love in affairs. You, you know, you, we very much have had marriage as a way of organizing our species, of, of keeping rich people rich, of keeping poor people poor, of getting more in-laws. And now we're in a time where we're like, wait, not only are we fighting for self-expression, You know, because I really think there's those two human needs that we have. One is to be authentic and be ourselves, and the other one is to fit in, to attach, to attach. And so when authenticity, I think Gabor Mate says this, when authenticity and attachment are at odds, um, attachment wins. Mm. So when your need to self-express is in conflict with your need to belong, belonging
0: wins. Yeah, that's that's really powerful, actually.
1: Isn't it? And it starts to make you think about how what have you done in order to fit in and instead of to self express
0: you know what's funny is um i always talk about um this i i i say never exchange your truth for membership and this is exactly I love what, that line this is what we're talking about and i and i say that because i used to be the guy growing up in los angeles um Chasing shiny things, and I've always exchanged exchange my truth for membership. So whether membership meant uh, some kind of club, you know, a fraternity, a group of people, or the entertainment business, uh, and and so by doing so, I've always lived um, outside in instead of inside out. And it wasn't until I went through a divorce where I kind of drew my line in the sand and I told myself I'm not going to exchange exchange my truth for membership anymore. And when you mm. do when you do that, and when you like hold hold. Hold on to that with two hands, and of course, it's very shaky. Um, you start creating different paths.
1: Yeah, and you inspire other people to do the same, where all of a sudden you realize that access to this new form of membership is authenticity, right. is self expression, right. is, you know, and that's really unconditional love, is saying, like, you be you, I'll be me, you can believe what you want to believe. Like, I think that's such a powerful place to get as a human being is to start to think, like, Two beliefs can coexist, and neither have to be right,
0: yeah, you
1: yeah. know, which is such a pull to hold politically, religiously, all those things
0: and, and I think it 's funny you said self love because um, I love this idea that holding on to your truth is actually a form of loving yourself, which falls under the umbrella of self uh, self care
1: well, and doesn 't that become um where we would normally birth our own rejection, that becomes the birth of acceptance, right? When you're self-expressing and you're authentic and you're being who you are, then you are not rejecting yourself and then you don't look for other people to accept you too, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, and I think that's a practice and a very very hard practice, which takes a long time. Yeah, because it's going against
1: biology. It's going against Mm -hmm. evolution to say, I'm going to be me at the cost of belonging. But there's a biological part of us that says, I'm going to die then. Like if people don't like us, the same part of our brains that lights up with physical pain, lights up with that emotional pain of loneliness and rejection. And that's hard because, of course, like you tell someone whose mom is an asshole, like, Mm -hmm. well, just don't have a relationship with your mom. Mm -hmm. But it's not that easy Mm -hmm. because there's a biological component to that, which, of course, you know, likely spills into their adult relationships and what they tolerate, too, you know, as you know, very well um and so there is this path of self-expression that disrupts the family line too that yeah yeah you know all this inherited bullshit
0: well that's 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 the other big piece is our upbringing you know no um no no child enters adulthood scarred and so our parents aren't perfect and yeah you know the way that we were raised and all of that the family dynamic and how sticky that is and of course that wires us a certain way so when we become adults A lot of that is the byproduct of how we were raised, you know? Yeah, no, I
1: think a lot of us, too, you know, in that experience of uh, we invalidate our child experience, you know? We, like, look at it and we go, well, mom wasn't around or dad wasn't around because he worked a lot, but he was taking care of the family. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, relativity is an adult concept. A kid doesn't give a shit that dad was taking care of the family. A kid wants dad.
0: Right, right. Like, the punch still hurts, even though there's an apology behind it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, sorry for punching you in the face.
1: Oh, that's okay. You were just mad. You know, like, in that invalidation is the rejection of a true experience. And, and so that's the rejection of the truth. And so in that form, when you start to get reject, what is true, what you know is true, because I think truth can be abstract as much as it can be. Um, uh, there's like universal truths versus our truths, Right. Truth. In right when you are disconnected from what is true like you don't tell the true story about what's happened in your life then you are you'll experience anxiety you'll experience disconnection yes. because yes. you're not you're not grounded
0: right yeah, i agree um I, I i tell people that uh sometimes growth is about a reunion a connection to self more than anything else and most people when it comes to their stories um they're ripping out chapters they're denying their truth they're uh, not accepting what happened, and you know, it, I, I think with parents and family and all that, it's not about you know blaming or getting people back or holding grudges. It's just about you know uh, accepting what happened and the effects of that. You know, and I think everything starts with that acceptance, that that's swallowing of that truth.
1: Yeah, I agree. I love the idea of the reunion. You know, I never th- I, that's such a great way of articulating it because I think when you can use the anger that you might have. You know for whatever your experience was to transform yourself to then not you know The greatest rebellion is not needing rebellion in some sense But I think there's a transformation that has to happen before that which is I'm not gonna let this dictate my life Anyway, who do I need to become if that wasn't influencing me? Mm. and then we become that and you know, that's of course as you said before that shit ain't easy because we've never done that before It's so unfamiliar To step out of a certain role, even if that role is dysfunctional, even if that role causes us emotional pain, stepping out of it and dating available people, you don't know how that shit's going to go. They might actually love you. And that will cause a whole bunch of issues with your identity that you're unlovable. Yeah. I mean, that's really where I ended up coming back to when I looked at my engagement is like I ran from women who could love me. Mm. And that became an awareness I had, you know, after a breakup when I was 19, that I didn't even know I was terrified of actually letting someone close. So I would come up, I I would get anxious, my stomach would start to hurt. I would, you know, and I, at the time, I think it was valid. But at the time, I called it into it, you know, I can't go against my gut. Right. But
0: so, it was valid. It was protecting me from something. So how did you lower your shield? How did you... Um get past that fear. So you started studying relationships and you asked yourself a lot of hard questions. Um, you, you left that relationship and then what did you start doing? Oh, well, I went back into dysfunctional
1: cycles of dealing with emotion where I would just find short term relationships mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. short term, uh, two stands, Cause you know, then you never have to answer yes to have you ever had a one night stand. <laughs> so if you do it twice, you get off the hook. Um, so I would do that, you know, and or I'd date unavailable people. That was the magic. Mm-hmm. I'd find someone who's fresh out of a relationship or couldn't choose me, and I would bang. I would chase them. What, and
0: what did sorry. you what did you um, put a weight on as far as what were you attracted to? So was it just skin? Was it body types? Was it um, or was it like you know uh, humor, communication? What was what was it that attracted you to uh, people at that time? You know, I'd say that I was attracted
1: to really good women, like women who could love me, who could choose me. But as soon as they were ready to, um, I wouldn't, I couldn't, I would, I, 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 that was not part of the plan. (laughs) The plan plan was for them to, for me to use my charisma and my skills to help heal them so Mm -hmm. they would need me and I would be validated. And then I could use all my intellectual capital that I'd built on why the relationship was the way it was. And then I could talk, you know, in some ways I could talk circles around it, you know, Mm. and I use that as a way of escaping love.
0: Was part of it the getting the dopamine from the chase? Yeah, for sure. Like
1: affirmation, like, Oh, I am lovable. I'm lovable.
0: I'm lovable, right? You know, like
1: they, they want me. But then as soon as they actually wanted me, I could not hold that container. And it was, it's crazy to look back now because I see, like, the high quality. I was attracted to really just high-quality women. Yeah. Who obviously must have had some, you know, attraction to my unavailability and my wounding. Sure, sure. Um, you know, where they knew that there was probably an attraction to um, my inability. To, but transparently, I would say, like, I'm not ready for this or I'm not ready for a relationship or I'm not, you know. I was transparent and honest
0: hmm which, which is very know. attractive and rare.
1: Yeah, but I also didn't know that I was using it as a way to bypass. Right. You know, like I could say to them, I was telling the truth to you, so I'm off the hook. And then I started to meet this new level of integrity for myself. Because I think at that time, you know, like I remember this one uh, friend of mine, him and his uh, partner, she was a nurse. And I remember <laughs> I was hooking up with her friend like every week, basically mm-hmm. kind of seeing each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, another woman said to her, Hey, do you have any friends who are like good guys who are available who <laughs> don't want a relationship? And she says to this other woman, she says, uh, Yeah, well, and she talks to her husband, who's a good friend of mine. Hey, Mark Groves is single, isn't he? He doesn't want a relationship, right? <laughs> well, at this time, I'm hooking up with her friend. So her friend says to me, uh, well, I guess you're the guy to go to if you don't want a relationship, but you want a good guy. Did you know that? Mm. And I was like, uh, holy shit. And I yeah. got hit with the truth of who I was rather than who I thought
0: I was. Oh, that's really interesting. It's really interesting to. Oh, yeah, that to, one hit me right. In the gonads. Yeah. And also like to hear someone else's perspective of, of how they see you.
1: Oh my God. Right. And like the greatest truths I've ever received. And that's why I always tell people, don't hold back the truth of how someone's being from them. Because my greatest evolutions came from women telling me the fucking truth. Yeah. About my bullshit about. And you know what? When I heard it, I knew it. They would tell me and I'm like, oh yeah, like finally the truth smacked me in the face and I could connect back to it. You know, I, it was like an invitation to authenticity that I didn't know I wasn't being if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I um when when I was uh, one of my relationships, I I thought I was happy. I was sarcastic and laughing and and always, you know, whatever. And I remember she came out of the bedroom one day and she said, "You're not happy." And I was and I was very defensive and I was like, "What are you talking about? I, you know, I make you laugh and blah blah blah." And like a few days later I realized, "Holy shit, she's right. I'm not happy. Like deep inside, I'm actually miserable and things weren't going well and I and I was like, wow, I I, uh-huh. I always thought that I was. And, and that was uh, that's kind of a very simple um, version of this. But but you're absolutely right. I think a lot of times people see things in us that we can't see with our own lenses. That's the truth.
1: I'm interested, like, what do you think that was that you were living in this world where you thought you were happy and then you were then connected to the place that you weren't?
0: Well, I think she felt and saw things that's cool yeah i mean i think I think energy, uh, well i mean in general, I think uh women are very intuitive um, and I think she was getting a lot of information that that was not on paper, so someone could be happy on paper uh, or present themselves in a certain way, but you know if they're coming home and the energy is dark and you know the language the the even like the body language all of that stuff um Sometimes that's more important.
1: Yeah, and sarcasm is a great. I was master of hiding in sarcasm and wit. You know, it's, I think it can be a really powerful way of communicating because it's fun. You know, it can be humorous, and it was also such a. Here's the. I, I think this is fascinating that the compensatory strategy that we tended to have as a child. So mine was humor and deflection, mm-hmm. becomes actually one of our greatest strengths when fostered. And nurtured and used as a way of creating connection rather than protecting from being connected right because I know now you know much like you do, you connect people to hard truths and then make them laugh
0: about it yeah, so then so so that right so so you know it's kind of like the um you you need the soil first. You need the buy in and then the laughter or if you are sarcastic or funny, then that becomes a glue, right? That that, that continues. Yeah. Um if you put that first, if you actually try to be funny and use that to cope, then you're not you're not getting the buy you're not getting you're not building trust. You're you're just making someone laugh.
1: And isn't that kind of crazy to think like the <laughs> if we're not laughing about fucking life and relationships, what the hell are we gonna do? Like How do we not laugh at just how fucked up things are sometimes or how we can't, you know, like when we could simply put, we all know that communication is probably the most essential skill in a relationship. Yet we don't build the skill set like I find that's crazy. You know, like when you look at uh, Eric Fromm's book, The Art of Loving, he talks about how there is no thing that a human does more than they uh, that they fail at than love and yet don't do anything about it. Hmm, and I think that's really interesting that we have this cultural narrative that you're just supposed to know how But who do we fucking learn from we learn from previous generations that never learned how that actually had different reasons for being in relationship? Yeah, different time Yeah, like you know when I hate those memes that are like have you know a couple people who are like 180 on them and they're like oh Happy 75th anniversary you know, why, why do you think you made it this long? And it's like, well, we took commitment seriously back in our day. Right. right. And I'm like, Oh my God, we thought the fax machine was going to destroy the world. You know, like, I think, (laughs) you know, it's like, we think the internet's going to, Now, don't get me wrong. The internet's certainly, smartphones are certainly doing things to our brains um, and addictive properties that distract us. And you know, there's research that shows when you put your phone face down on a table at dinner, you're less vulnerable.
0: Oh, wow. That's and amazing. that's even
1: face down. Yeah, because there's always an unconscious part of us that believes there might be more. Which is you know, when you think about it, like knowing that research, I then was like, ah, oh, shit, like Kai, my partner and I will when we go on a date, we'll leave our phones in the car or leave them somewhere else so that we don't when we're intentional about the date so that we don't get pulled away from it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we do it like during dinner and stuff. I, I make sure that I'm not, I mean, unless it's an emergency, I, I, I don't get on my phone. I try not to.
1: Yeah. It's, it's such a practice though, of course, because our businesses are on, (laughs) you know, some on some level on social media or on the internet. So it's this balance of boundaries with our own work, you know?
0: Yeah. And I wonder when that's going to fade where there's no, there's no line. I, I I heard once, I think it was it was Joe Rogan, someone said that eventually there's gonna be chips, um uh the, like you know, the the, the the stuff that's in the phone, um more more advanced, um, you know, in our ankle or something and basically we'll be like one day saying to ourselves, Remember when we used to carry those phones around? <laughs> and it's like I could actually see that because I, I remember when we used to carry around pagers and some people had too and Dita, I had a pager. <laughs> exactly dope <laughs> right and then you know you, <laughs> you, you'd say you'd type in certain numbers where you turned upside down and said hello or something <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and i remember on my bicycle uh trying to get to a payphone because i was paged and how important that made me feel um and I wonder if one day, like, you know, the the text messaging and everything is going to be done through our heads, uh, through chips, and we're, we would be like, uh, hey, remember when we used to have those phones we used to carry around and take photos with our hands <laughs> and all that? Right.
1: Like, remember when yeah. we used to do – that? Yeah, I think it's interesting that we've started to sort of um, subcontract, like, even the memory of, of things, but the memory of phone numbers, the memory of – you know, where it actually does allow our brains more computing power if it's used, but – I guess that's the part is like, even when we, you know, I'm sure you get the question all the time about dating and like using apps, and they're like, the world's so superficial now. And I'm like, well, the world's always been superficial. You know, like that's, it's not new that people swipe left and right. They just used to do it walking down the street.
0: Right. I agree. I think it's just, um, the, our technology has, uh, amplified things for sure. Um, but it, yeah, they, they've only, they're only amplifying things that were already there. Exactly. And I, I think what's fascinating is
1: when I mean one you have less availability to be able to back in the day you couldn't like ride your horse to five different chick's houses, you know? Like <laughs> right, one right. even when you had to call people at their home in the 90s, you know, when there wasn't cell phones, you had to talk to their parent. That was like a big Remember when you have to call and maybe their brother would answer right, or right. dad? Like
0: <laughs> right. you, you had to in get in get through day, barriers. Right.
1: Like you couldn't be a player back in the day in the like 1800s because you the dad would probably just shoot you, you know, (laughs)
0: right, right. But
1: now there is not as much of a cost, like there's not as much negative social feedback that is necessary for people to change their behavior.
0: I I wonder if because of that, um, people are also now more disposable because there's less at stake because you could just swipe. Right. Yeah.
1: And we're not as likely to because I think, you know, that concept of um, like we want to know that they're the one right away. And I really love the concept of allow someone to become the one that way you're not like giving away everything to this fucking unavailable, emotionally unavailable person on the first date. You're like, but they were the one. And then you find out they're not. But you're stuck in this fucking narrative. And the other side of it is you should just be curious about seeing them again. That should be the baseline of all att- connection is like, are you curious about getting to know them more? If you're not, don't fucking do it.
0: You know what? This is, uh, this is an interesting conversation because I think that the world, uh, partly due to, like you mentioned, Disney movies, um, we put so much weight on this idea of the one. That oh. we are, we are creating cliffs, and you know I hear it all the time in my own sessions with uh, uh, people that I that I do therapy with and coach. Uh, a lot of single people who are so frustrated, unhappy because they haven't found "quote unquote" the one. What do you think of that whole concept of the one?
1: Well, I think as soon as you adopt that as a way of being, I've I've known someone who's stuck in their life because they believe that in this person being their twin flame, and yeah. so they can't be together. So she has completely suspended her life waiting for him. Even though, and I'm like, well, maybe his point is to teach you to not fucking wait. Like maybe that's the purpose of his place in your life, but she won't hear me. And that's okay because she doesn't need to. She'll learn it when she learns it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I trust that that's true. And, you know, just like people told me to stop being a douchebag and I had to be a douchebag a little longer. So I had frosted tips and a puka shell necklace. You know, There's a, <laughs> we have to go through some accidents to figure out what matters. Right. <laughs> you got to let some people crash, right? You can't save people from the bottom. And, no, no, no. You can Well, also if you do, you might go with them. Exactly, yeah, true <laughs> that. Well, I think the as soon as you date with the scarce mentality that there's the one, then you will tolerate behavior that's not acceptable. So right away it puts you into that space. You'll probably let go of deal breakers and and boundaries that we have, you know, if we date with that concept. The other side of it is, you know, I think what's interesting in the dating world combined with the one as a way of being is If we have a relationship that has run its course we also will not have the necessary conversations and we've also put people's self-worth in their relationship status and we've said that if your relationship ends you're a failure and you can see that very true in in how we celebrate anniversaries and we make a hierarchy of length which don't get me wrong relationship length is a measure of relational success but it is certainly not the one because you think about it, like people have been married eighty years. they hate each other. That doesn't mean anything. So you could tolerate someone for eighty years. Well done. You know, but I think it's so much more to say like, have you gotten deeper with yeah. your Have you made it past conflicts that you've never made it past? Like that's intimacy you know that's connection that's that's relational depth which i we need to start celebrating relational depth and the skill set that it takes to dance in that
0: over in that, over yeah. over the actual time right so yeah. so yeah you're right i mean I, I hear a lot of people are like oh yeah my grandparents have been married for you know 40 50 years and and yeah yeah i get that but like are, do they sleep in separate beds bedrooms do they you know <laughs> do they yeah, either, like, do they even want like to each dismiss other this it but at the same time Do they have a healthy relationship? Are you
1: idolizing something that then is going to make you unconsciously avoid hard conversations? You know, I think it's so fascinating that because we have placed our self-worth in our relationship status, which you can see by the hierarchy we also have in, oh, you're married? Amazing. Oh, which is better than being engaged, which is better than dating, which is better than seeing each other, which is better than the awful disease of being single. And then we also put divorced people below that. We shame divorced people. So you could see that relational status is a way that we judge people. And so that causes us when we're dating and we're operating from the one um, that we won't have hard conversations because we're afraid it will end the relationship when it's actually the very conversation that brings it together. If you can talk to your partner in a space that you're willing to lose them because of your truth, then you'll be more connected to yourself, but you'll also be more connected to them
0: yes yeah 100 percent. i think um i love this idea that uh it's less about relational status and more about the quality the the high notes that you you hit in your relationship um not how long you've been with someone or the title like engaged or married or all that you know
1: yeah like wouldn't that i mean let's start a a qualiversary right let's start a movement we're having qualiversaries did Uh, you get deeper are you are you do you feel seen in your relationship Which I think then requires the question: do you allow yourself to be seen? Because you can't blame your partner for not being seen if you don't allow yourself to be seen.
0: Yes. I mean, think about it. I mean, I would rather be in something for five years that is um, life-changing and deep, and something where because of this human exchange and collision, I learned something about the world and myself and about love than be in something that is, you know, 10 years, but very lukewarm. Yeah. And I, you know,
1: and that becomes a tough part for people because then they go, well, if it's lukewarm, then I should just leave, you know, because I think that's the way people can misconstrue our messages sometimes, you know, which is, no, do you always leave hard things? That's always a good question to ask. And, and the other side of it is, do you stay do you stay when things are actually way past,
0: you know? Yeah. Because a lot of us that, do that's, that. That's more common. I get that. All. I get uh, clients all the time that have been in something and they're like, yeah, I should have left four years ago. Oh, right. Or they
1: know on the second date and, <laughs> yeah, and then they yeah, share right. their Netflix password and they're like, I can't go. But
0: yes. They, they yes. have
1: access to my Netflix. I can't. <laughs> that would be <laughs> my Spotify too. Like, what am right, I going to do? Right. You have a shared cell phone. What are we going to do? I, I mean, I think that's. The question that I have people, one of the questions many that I have people answer, though that I think is really telling, is is staying or going leaving yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you can figure out where self abandonment is, then you can at least start to ask, or as you said, begin to have a reunion with self. Yeah.
0: Nice I mean, this 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 whole it's it's really interesting because the reason I'm in Big Bear is I think I told you over DM I'm pulling a Stephen King and I, I I'm writing yeah, this new that's book. Right. Um, the whole book is actually about it's actually for single people um, and it's it's for it's about connecting to yourself first and it's all about this relationship you have with yourself over this idea of you know being better for someone else and I think that's kind of what we're talking about you know
1: yeah and I think that's such the gift of relationship which is if your relationship causes you to feel disconnected if it cause if your breakup has devastated you fucking amazing yeah, I always yeah. tell people that when they're in the midst of a breakup, I'm like, you're in the best part because you don't have to pretend anymore. And you can go a little crazy when you're going through a breakup. Like people will be like, just leave them alone. You know, like, there's like a uh, she, he's or they are going through something. Just let it happen. And that's when you can birth who you are. Like that's the perfect moment where you're not pretending to be something you're not.
0: People are more afraid of getting their hearts broken than to be someone they're not. Which is sad.
1: Yeah, that's so true. They're afraid to get their heart. They're more afraid to get their hearts broken than to actually like begin to be authentic. Yes,
0: yes. And so we have a lot of afraid people who are in things uh, that are lukewarm or that are not honest to them. And we have a lot of people who are afraid and not wanting to be vulnerable because they're protecting their hearts. I mean, it's like if you if you go through this world just just you know trying to put a, 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 a armor around your hearts. Um, One, you're not allowing people to see your truth and who you truly are, which is very sad. Um, But also, the relationships you're going to get into are never going to be the ones that are are quality, that are going to be life-changing.
1: Yeah, like you're never fully seen and you're never allowing – Yes. yourself to be seen, yes. you know, like there's what a dance, you know, you think about it as like everybody who's operating in relationship sort of unconsciously. And this, I guess, is speaking to how I've operated in relationship historically, too, is like, there's usually someone who loves unrelentlessly with no boundaries, who's trying to love everybody and heal that part. And then there's people who are afraid to actually be loved. And they usually end up in relationship, you know, one chasing the other and the other one running and just confirming their stories. You know, and it's, it would be nice if both people just stood still.
0: Well, I'm, I'm super happy and um, honored to just be having this conversation because, you know, maybe um, people who are listening to this, uh, maybe people who listen to you and follow your feed and me, um, maybe that's the beginning. You know, maybe it's challenging people to pull from a different place and there's a ripple behind that.
1: Yeah, and what a great space to be in, you know. I think um, to be in that space of just like a, having this feeling of like, huh, right? Like that, that huh is like the beginning of the re- reunion as you well, spoke of.
0: Well, that huh is actually, that's where the road forks.
1: Yeah, or and, can, and, what a great, and what a great space to be in, you know, like to be in the space where you can now choose to rejoin you, to reun- to have a reunion. to What is authentic expression to you and to start to question who you've been, how you've been showing up, why you do what you do. Like the moment you get curious and you're open to being wrong and you're open to the way you, what you believe or how you've been living might need some alterations, then you're free because you're not part of some story anymore.
0: Yeah, there's something empowering about um, asking yourself a lot of questions and even if you can't answer them. It's it's actually more empowering when you don't have the answers because when you don't have the answers, now there's a journey. Now there's somewhere to go, right? Uh if you have questions and you feel you have the answers, there's no journey. Like you you, you don't leave the house, <laughs> you know? Yeah, when
1: you think yeah, you don't you don't have to because you already have it figured out. That idea of asking the question and waiting for the answer to come or pursuing the answer is such a beautiful aspect of being a human. is like accepting that none of us have it. I think the moment someone says they have it figured out is the moment you run from a teacher or from a person because, I I mean, we're always learning. You know, you always realize when you think you have it figured out, the universe gives you a nice slap to the face. And it's like, hey, you thought you had it? Hey, guess what? We pivot over here, (laughs) you know?
0: Well, I think that's that's what ego does, and I think it um, puts a ceiling. Over, right over your head very fast when you think that you have it figured out. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about business or love or anything. I think if you think you have life figure, figured out any part of life um or being a parent or whatever that you stop learning and growing and you're 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 not expanding anymore.
1: Yeah, you've ended up staying still and and that just is not a place that satiates anyone.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it gets harder, you know, as people become more successful and more comfortable um, depending, depending on their, their idea of success, but it's, it's hard to ask questions. It's hard to ask hard questions, you know, that we yeah, don't, we it's don't have scary to not know, right, you know, it's right. scary to
1: not know. And I think it's, I sort of now, where before stepping towards the unknown was like, don't do it. I ran from it. You know, I stayed in familiar patterns. Now I really check in with myself. Is this expansive? is this something that fits for me? Do I know how it's going to work out? And if I don't know how it's going to work out, then I know I'm creating something new. Mm. And that's a great place to live from, you know, is like this, even in the terms of like what messages to share, what to talk about, it's like, if it's not scaring us in some little way, then we're not expanding. It's like a familiar, comfortable conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this. Um, as we kind of close, what what are th- what are three of the biggest revelations you've had recently about uh, love and life?
1: Oh man, three of the re- greatest revelations. Um, I sort of oscillate often between like the scientific linear side to life, and then the spiritual sort of free flowing side of life. I find that I'll I'll like get too much of one, and then I'll I'll go back to like uh abraham hicks or you know right. like victor frankl's work or you know thinking about existentialism and and i no matter how we try to measure something it always changes It's just like we think that science is law but we disprove science all the time
0: yeah yeah
1: and i think i just one of the greatest things that i keep coming back to is that deep in my knowing somewhere is a truth you know is like i can trust in me to make the right decision even if it 's the wrong one, it ends up being the right one. if that mm-hmm. makes
0: sense yes I, I I also think that if you are extremely mindful and present, um, whoever you 're in front of, or whatever you 're doing, that creates a space naturally um, to fill your spirit you 're almost a spiritual being as long as you 're not living in time machines
1: yeah isn't that true that we when we are present. We can take up everything, eat everything that's on our plate.
0: Yeah, and then we could also uh, use all our senses. We could also, uh, you know, live in 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 a way that's honest to us. We could also appreciate things like nature and all the little things. Um, and I and I think because I think spirituality for some people uh, it means you know uh, dharma talks or it means religion or church or it means like being this this thing and it could feel heavy. Um, but I I, I think spirituality can can actually be um, found in moments when you are being extremely mindful.
1: Yeah, when you're present to all yeah. of the deliciousness of life. And I, I mean, I, I, there's a line from Alan Watts that I know like gets people a little triggered, but he talks about how when we wake up to our ability to consciously choose to be present to our life, that we become the God that we've been taught to praise. Mm,
0: yeah, I love that. And I, um, I, uh, I, I think when you're not judging because we're always judging on a certain extent. But if you're not not judging uh, not only other people but yourself, the moment that you're not judging, I think you let, you let spirituality in.
1: Mm, yeah, because you're not – yeah, I like that because then you're actually in your heart.
0: You're in your heart and you're open and the world is big. And, it's, yeah, huge, it's huge, right? Yeah. yeah, and
1: that's that part where like I know in the research on flow states, you know, when like an hour goes by and it feels like five minutes. I know for, surf, for surfers, yeah. that's something that's easy to find. Um. Although when I'm surfing, I'm like, I'm going to die. No, there's no presence. Um, my, my state is fight or flight when I'm surfing the entire time. <laughs> too. Me too. Is that a shark? Oh, it's a yeah, turtle. Yeah. You know, like I'm terrified all the time. But the the interesting thing is that your prefrontal cortex, which is the part that's in charge of creating who you are, shuts down when you're in flow. And so you're present. And I think that that's what you're saying is, is it resonates so much because when you are authentically who you are, you can relax your prefrontal cortex and you're more present because not everything's being filtered through who you think you need to be.
0: Yes, and I think um, one of the things I talk about a lot is the, the to-me state versus the through-me state. And I think that when your prefrontal cortex is down and you're no longer in a fight-or-flight state, that's when you become more of a conduit, and that's when you're able to live more of a through-me life, right? This idea that there's greater things working through you, and, and I think that's when we are hitting potential. I mean, higher. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when we are making life uh, about uh, things that are greater than ourselves, and by living that way, you are inherently spiritual.
1: Yeah, that you become the conduit. I love that. I remember my first coach when I was starting afraid to start writing and everything. He said to me, how arrogant of you to believe that your message is for you. Yeah, I love that. And he's like, you know, every day you don't start, you don't help someone who needs you, which is really just a younger version of you or an older version. And
0: I was like, oh yeah. You also become fearless, you know, when you actually don't make it about you, when you're not in a victim or to me state. Um, You actually don't care about you and you become completely fearless, you know, so. Yeah,
1: and I think that, I mean, segues sort of nicely with um, the list of three. Let me think. The second one would be um, just that I've learned through my relationship with Kylie. I've learned that if I honor myself and honor my own story as our story unfolds together, that I had, we had this really powerful moment where, you know, um, we were talking about, you know, sort of like some of the non-negotiables that we both have about children, and when to have them, timing. And there was a moment where our stories were not sure if they were aligning. And um, we were standing in the kitchen and th- the conversation was a little longer than this. But essentially what I said to her was like, no matter what you choose, I'll love you. Like if, if you need to honor you and this timing doesn't work that's okay. Just like I need to honor me. And I will, you will never like our relationship will never be a prison. Like you can come and go
0: because everyone can come and go. You know, um, that comment right there, which is, which is such a gift and rare this, uh, this comment, you just said that uh, you honor you and I will support that. And I will honor me that what that does is that puts you and her instantly into your own containers. And it, and, and, and the thing is that I, I saw this photo once. I think it was a yogurt ad where I saw two people in two separate bathtubs. And the only thing that was connected was their hands. And they were facing like the Grand Canyon. So they were facing the same direction, but they're in these two separate bathtubs. And I thought, like, that's what healthy relationships look like because most people want to be in the jacuzzi, Yeah, you know? And so that comment you just said reminded me of what healthy love looks like, you know?
1: When it felt different than anything, I'd sort of, it was like the first time I met unconditional love, like truthfully was embodying it. And and then all of a sudden there was this relaxation in her and in me of like, this might be painful, but I never want someone to have to leave who they are to be with me or any story. And I think the moment you sort of acknowledge that someone can come and go no matter what these contracts we create you start to then have to show up to become someone they would want to choose and right. to be and to maintain that and at the same time um there's a freedom to the love because it's through choice not through have to as you said it's like a through you versus to you
0: yes and you know
1: and i and that's different
0: that form of letting go produces trust too
1: yeah there was like because you know in especially for women there's this this socialization of to put everyone else's needs ahead of your own to mm-hmm. lose yourself and then they lose themselves and then they become overtly boundaryed. but i would call it walled and independent right and so it takes a, you know a in some level a person it doesn't matter if it's male or female or anything in between to be able to stand in a truth of safe secure love which i needed to be invited to through that you know like my healing was happening at the exact same time which was i was so used to selling out my own story to keep someone it was like finally this moment where i was honoring my story and inviting someone to honor theirs too and it was a really cool so i think that was like probably in my most recent time wow just one of the most transformative moments uh it's like everything that happened up until that moment was so divinely created to teach me enough to to love
0: her in that moment right i also love that you're using real life story moments and not uh you know bumper stickers (laughs) <laughs> I try to find a good bumper sticker for that. Um, what's number three? Oh man.
1: Um, what is number three? I, I think number three is more just aligned with my work, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, I start to get caught up sometimes in the processing of how am I going to hold this all afloat? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I have people working with me and for me now and, um, there's really like I don't have to I get to yeah and that changes things tremendously for me which is you know part I think part of what makes people like myself or I don't want to speak for you but a lot of people who go into work of wanting to help other people is the part of what drives it is the want to heal the world which is also can be a, sort of an expression of codependency mm-hmm. and. You know, and and I really have to constantly remind myself that and I, I think this is true of all the work that I've done, which is I don't care what someone chooses. You know, like when I work with a couple, my goal isn't to keep them together. Right. My because then it starts to manipulate the experience. And instead, it, my goal is for them to find truth, which often means they're going to stay together, you know?
0: Yeah. Or uh, or, or not. I, th- I think if you're not. Yeah. If your goal is to keep them together. Um, you might be doing it for you and your value as a coach, not so much based on their truth. Exactly. Right? So
1: that, that has been something as like it's not my job to hold up the world or to, to, for someone to have to heal themselves relationally. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like that's not pressure for me. That's, and that's that really of like being able to allow the work to flow through me instead of it have to be a certain way or yeah. to write for applause. Like fuck that. I didn't create a platform. You know, someone said to me, I get this all the time. Uh, your message would be more solid if you didn't swear. Mm. And I'm like, don't make me your fucking messenger. Right. Like, <laughs> right, right. like I didn't. if you don't like it, create a platform where there's an edited version of me. Sure, sure. You know, and I, it feels like that's the same thing we do to everybody. I don't like the way you're doing it because it doesn't fit with my ideals. Yeah. And it's like, eh. so I've, I, I keep learning that. This isn't about like peeling layers of the onion. It's about expanding and just like, um, in a in a wonderful way, taking up more space, but space that's like not mine specifically, but ours. I I hope that makes sense. Yeah,
0: it totally makes sense. And at the end of that reminds me of the um, the thing that Brene Brown talks about a lot The the quote from um, was it Winston Churchill about the arena?
1: Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. In her it, latest uh, Netflix, I think she talks about it.
0: Yeah, it's basically if you're not in the arena, it, you have no right to say anything. Like unless you're in their arena doing what uh, you know, I'm doing. You know, keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> well, I think it, it is. Matter. You know, I
1: I learn a lot from people who don't agree with some of the things I say because sure. I learn when I don't word things properly or I can do things differently. And um, but I think often people forget, like Brene Brown said um and i'm sure you experienced this too that there's a human on the other side of that who yeah. makes i think we're in such a call out culture yeah. that it's like trendy to call people out
0: it's easy and to like- it's easy that's what we it's easy to hide and it's never been as easier to call someone out than today exactly like just like
1: with dating there's no negative social impact so you can like send a dick pic without right. you know like but right. you're not going to whip out your wiener in the middle of a restaurant right. you know so well hopefully you wouldn't yeah but it's interesting that we do that You know, so the just recognizing I guess that what someone thinks of me is not what I think of me And as long as I'm living in line with my integrity and my values, it's that same thing I guess we've been saying this whole time which is what is self-expression and authenticity? And how and that will change like what I valued or what I thought I valued Keeps sort of evolving to encompass more Mm. And like the lines that delineated me from other those are pretty much gone now, you know, in like um judgments, you know, like really watching my own judgments and my own evolution is I can't imagine when I have children what that's what the fuck I'm gonna learn from them. But it's gonna be a good cosmic two by four to the head, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well well thank you for this meaningful conversation. And I you know, I, I kinda had this feeling that um when you came on, we would just kind of roll with it, and um, we would end up having a, a great conversation, and we did. So thank you for that, and uh, where can people find you, and what's next for you?
1: Um, thanks so much for having me, yeah, and I can't wait sure. to have you on my podcast because, I mean, I just uh, identify so much with the things you say. So I'm, I'm grateful for, for, for you um, inviting me here too. Oh, thank um, you. So you can find me on Instagram, create the love, Twitter, all the things, right? Um, uh, under Mark Groves. If you just Google Mark Groves and whatever platform you want, uh, you'll find it. And uh, what's coming up for me? I'm really starting to build just more um, because I, I don't work personally one-on-one with clients anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a tremendous team that does who are awesome. So now uh, more of my work is like, I want to get it to more people. So uh, I, I'm building... Online courses experiences like that, just nice. so that's more available, I mean, I really think that we all have the right to and should have access to relational information
0: oh yeah, absolutely I mean it's it's like what you're saying earlier, you know we don't learn this um, through high school college we learn it through our own experiences, which are you know traumatic and painful so
1: you know I think we sort of live our lives often from this perspective that we are a problem that needs to be solved. And, and when we live from that place, we think there's just an inherent flaw within us when I don't think there's any flaw within people. I I think it's really that we're just repeating behavioral and relational patterns that we inherited. And we just need to learn something different. And I think we're in this really beautiful space now where we have platforms that we can all share collectively, you know, cause I see like uh, on your community, it's such a supportive community. Mm-hmm. Like the people who, uh, people who love your text messages, by the mm-hmm. way, like I see those reposted all the time and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is like everybody can access this information if they want to. And, and for me, that's been a blessing that I also make now can make a living from it, which is yeah. really cool.
0: Yeah. Which is actually a gift. And, and definitely everyone now has, um, uh, a megaphone, and they should speak their truth.
1: Yeah, if you've walked a path, you can teach people how to walk it. That's that's sure. credibility to me. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I,
0: I think more so than the letters up to your name.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank well, you for having me.
0: Thank you, Mark, and uh, be well, and I will talk to you soon. Hey, two things. One, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. And two, if you find any of this dialogue helpful, please share it with someone who you believe it can help as well. The whole point of this is to create a conversation that can help others. And also, if you want me in your phone, I am now sending text once a week to people. All you have to do is text the number 55222, uh, keyword ANGRY, all caps, A-N-G-R-Y, and I will send you a text about once a week. This is not a bot, this is directly from me. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, if you have a passion to help others and want to become a life coach, or you just want to acquire tools to change your own life, learn more about our Catalyst Life Coaching Intensive. We are an evidence-based training program with an amazing, authentic, vibrant community, and we give lifetime support. Just go to my website, theangrytherapist.com, and click on Life Coach Training.